Hey everyone, welcome to the 4D Experience, Deep Dives with Dan and Drew. I'm Dan. And I'm Drew. Oh boy, we got a good one for you tonight. Yeah, I was saying earlier, I think this uh, this is probably going to be probably one of our more spicy episodes. Uh, we've got some some nails in some coffins that we're going to probably uh, drive into on a, on a couple of teams. Uh, one team kind of doing actually fairly well over the course of the week. And and the other baseball team uh, doing fairly well, and in, in spite of some some major hurdles uh, that we're going to get into, and we're gonna we're gonna pick apart and give the deep dive treatment to in a little bit. As always, we'll start with our United Center residents. What is left of them at this point? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, the Bulls are still technically alive, so we'll yep. start there uh, with uh, five games to play. They're three games back of Washington. Um, they had. An okay week. They they won two out of their three games, but I think we'll file this one under the too little too late column. Probably. And uh, we did see Vucevic and Levine come back uh, after kind of stints away from the court. Yeah, so, I mean the Levine one I think is 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 significant because it was pretty much the 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 known unknown that that he was pretty much out with COVID. Uh, had a good like two weeks out of it. Um, but it looks like he's recovered. Looks like he's back to his normal self. He's scoring points again, so uh, that's always encouraging. You know, whenever anybody gets COVID, you never know what direction it's going to go. So uh, glad that uh, it looks like he's kicked it and he's uh, stronger for it. Some quick highlights from the Bulls' week: uh, they dropped one of the Sixers early on, but Kobe White showed up with 23 points. Daniel Tice, who I really, really like, uh, played some very solid defense in Embiid, and Embiid did not have a good night. Um, I think that's encouraging going forward, having some post-defense. Um, hey, look at that, some defense. Uh, yeah, I'm like all it. for it. Um, they did beat the Hornets on Thursday, 120-99. to Seven Bulls scored in double figures, which is crucial to their success, not leaning heavily on Levine and Vucevic. That was their first game back together in a while. Uh, Vucevic doing Vooch things with 29-14. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, Vooch did Vooch things again on Friday against the Celtics, struggling Celtics, uh, putting up a triple-double, 18 uh, points, 14 boards, and 10 assists. Levine got back to Levine things with 25 points. Kobe White impressing everybody from uh, three-point range. He went 7 of 12 from three, which we will take that. Yeah, that's a good night. Um, whenever you can... Whenever you have the Kobe White seven from twelve from three, it's important to win that game. And, You'll and, take that and, and run. And uh, when they did, so yeah, I mean they've got it, it's a tough road. I mean they've got five games left. They got to get help. Uh, they pretty much basically have to win out uh, in order to make the play-in tournament. So it's looking as though it's all but kind of just waiting for the math to kind of kick in, but. Uh, at least there's some encouraging things. At least when everybody come has come back, they've they've looked a lot better. They've looked much more engaged, um, which to me is always the, you know, it, have they let go of the rope? No, they haven't. So, you know, we'll see kind of how these last five games go, and maybe, you know, maybe they pull a, a fast one and manage to sneak into something. But uh, I, I don't think it's going to happen. But yeah, I could be wrong. It's not the worst thing in the world that they don't make it either. Yeah, I mean, true. if they end up in the lottery and they can get another. Nice piece to the puzzle. Um, maybe find that point guard in the yep. draft they're looking yep. for. Um, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, a lottery ball could change the the fortune of the franchise and, and move the timeline up a little bit. I know I'd like another Derrick Rose. Not that, <laughs> not that there's one out there, but uh, I sure would like that. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be okay. Um, but yeah, no, we'll wait and see. And then when the bull season officially wraps up, we can kind of delve more into their off season plans at that point. And, yeah, kind of, kind of do the 
the, the post-mortem that we all think is coming, but uh, we'll hold off for now. Speaking of nails and coffins <laughs> and seasons <laughs> over, um, the Blackhawks on Monday, their dreams of a postseason officially came to an end. Yeah, uh, officially eliminated uh, with a loss at Carolina, 5-2. Uh, to two. Uh, Ian Mitchell and Alex DeBrinkin had the goals for the Hawks. Donald Kubalik got two assists. Uh, Malcolm Subban started the game, uh, gave up four goals, and was pulled uh, for the uh, not often used this season, but has been recently called up, Colin Delia. Uh, didn't fare much better. Gave up another goal. So that pretty much put the nail in the, the math coffin, as it were. And that did not lead to a very good result on Tuesday against versus the, the Hurricanes. Um Hardman actually got uh, a goal, which was good. Alex DeBrinkett had two goals, came with two assists. Delia got the start in the net, um, but that didn't necessarily – it wasn't, I, I think, a, a portion or down to goaltending Carolina. Even though we don't necessarily think about it all the time, they are really good. I know I don't. They, they did win the division. They did mathematically clinch the central division, so that that's your division champ. Uh, and then Thursday, and, and probably the hockey gods gave them a break – uh, particularly after the, I don't know if you saw the the Duncan Keith play in the first period where um, it was basically uh, they were Hawks are on a power play. Duncan Keith's trying to hold the, the puck in at the boards, and the linesman who's trying to jump out the way, his knee actually like lined up with his head, and um, they came together. And Duncan Keith falls down, and there's the Carolina guy skating with the puck, and there's nobody around, and puck in the back of the net. Keith did not return from that game. No, he did not. Um, so we don't know. I, I would assume there's probably <laughs> concussion protocol to be had with that. Uh, whether or not he plays again this season is he might not need to. Why, 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 would, why would you put any more miles on that? It probably doesn't make sense. So they are officially eliminated from the playoffs. Um, but again, as I keep coming back to with them, I, I this is kind of what we expected. I, I was not expecting much. Um, I was happy to have what we got. Uh, we had some meaningful hockey there for a couple of weeks. We saw some good things from the kids. Um, and, and and that's, I think, really where uh, the team's got to go is they have to kind of get – they have to get younger. Um, they have to get – you know, see what's there. You know, if, if some of these kids are worth putting some investment into, then, then let's do that. But, yeah, I mean, offseason starts kind of early for the Hawks. My in-depth analysis here is very simple. Debrinket is really good. <laughs> really good. Uh, two goals, three goals this week, including the game winner on Thursday. I mean, that that dude has put up some numbers very quietly this year. Yep. Uh, and, you know, Kane is... Helps to play with a guy like Patrick yeah, Kane. Kane is Kane. Patrick, yeah. um, but... There, there's pieces. There's pieces that you can build back around. And and if the reports of Jonathan Thames coming back next year are true... And he does. That's a huge addition. Now you have, I think, three forward pieces that you can very easily build around. You've still got Kirby Doc, who's going to hopefully have – what I hope for him is he just has an uneventful, nothing bad happened to him off season. You know, if he wants to go play golf, he should do it like – you know, in, 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 in bubble wrap, so nothing bad happens to him. Well, he also had some right wrist ir irritation. Right. And he ended up getting pulled. Right. So, right. Uh, yes, just this I, summer is a let's heal up. Let's let's, let's not have massive rehab. Let's just hope come and into pray Jonathan season. Taves comes back healthy yeah. and ready to roll next next year. 
Um, what will be interesting to see is what they end up deciding on their goalie situation. You have now Lankinen, Subban, and Delia. I would assume that Delia would be the odd one out because he was the one that got the least amount of time. But yeah, I don't certainly know. on. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a decision. Do they go out and maybe try to find something in the free agent market in that sense? Mm-hmm. Um, it's all going to come down to where the cap hits. Um, you know, the, you know, uh, the Seabrook money, I think, would come off. They should have um, a lot of cap room. So that should help. Uh, so there's there's a lot of moving parts, obviously, with anything hockey. So uh, we'll keep our eyes on it. And, and, you know, again, do we have some either front office or coaching changes? Um, team didn't make the playoffs. I would assume that that would have been a goal. But was it a goal? I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. So well, don't we have one goal? Well, yes. <laughs> the team says they have one. Actually, no, they don't. They don't have that anymore. That's not their official slogan anymore. That's not a good sign. <laughs> so they, they got it. Long and the short is done for this year. They got two games left against the Dallas Stars. There will be fans actually in the United Center. So if you do want to get nice. a hockey fix, um, you can go do that, which is I think is actually a good Has thing. Nashville clinched officially their fourth spot? Um, no, I think it's between them and Dallas. So, so we could play the role of spoiler they, here, yep. which would be really, really nice. That, That'd be that, a very fun positive way to end the, the, the season. tables would be turned where you know remember the year that the, the all the hawks had to do was beat the lowly red wings one year and, and it didn't happen and then it was actually thanks to the dallas stars who played spoiler against another team later in the game later in the day that, that it allowed the hawks to get into the playoffs it didn't work they didn't go anywhere that season but it was still it was like back from the dead um but uh yeah so pretty much nails in the coffin for pretty much both our united center tenants so we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break reset our focus and we're going to get into baseball because it's there's a lot of baseball to talk about so come on back moving on from the almost dead and dead chicago (laughs) teams uh let's move on to a surprising success story yeah i mean the chicago cubs uh had had kind of a bad week last time we had talked and looked more like uh they were about to kind of descend down the rabbit hole of no offense and pitching that, that, that wasn't holding up and, you know, a bullpen that was quickly on its way to getting overworked. And lo and behold, they've kind of turned the ship around this week. Um, very good week, actually. Uh, they've gone four and one. So, Dan, tell us about it. Five and one, if you include the win one. today. That's true, if you talk about today. Um, so Hot off the presses, by the way. The big story here is not only did the Cubs sweep the Los Angeles Dodgers, your defending World, World Series, Series champion. champion. But they went Los through Angeles the gauntlet. Dodgers. They knocked Kershaw out in an inning, which is his uh, quickest start I was going to say, ever. I think that was like his, his shortest start, exit yep. as, ever. So they just pummel Kershaw early in that game. They beat uh, Trevor Bauer, your reigning NL Cy Young award winner. And they beat Walker Bueller. They're three best pitchers. Yeah, yeah. There was no, and they beat two in a day because they had a doubleheader. So, so they beaten. When we talked about the sweep of the Mets, we all kind of had to put kind of asterisks around it and say, right. no, well, DeGrom. They, they didn't go through. You know, the best that they had. Mm-hmm. This was the best that the Dodgers had. They did, and now the Dodgers have been struggling recently, but that's a that's a feather in your cap. I mean, for this for this early in the season, absolutely. It, and if. This is a big, big if. But if the Cubs do end up 
being successful and make the playoffs, this is a Dodger team that you're most likely going to see. Confidence booster. You played Kershaw, you played Bueller, you played Bauer, and you played well. Well, I I, I don't want to glean too much from an, an April series, but or, or an early May series, excuse right. me, because um, we are in May, uh, even though it's supposed to snow tomorrow morning. That it is. So I heard, but anyway, we won't talk about that. Yeah, Chicago. <laughs> but, uh, you know, hey, you know, good for good, really you know, solid baseball being played uh, up on the north side. Um, the bullpen held up uh, Friday against the, the Pirates. So, so you go from you know that that up series, and you'd expect maybe a little bit of a letdown. Well, that didn't happen. So they, they won Friday. They won again today. Um, That's a Cubs thing to do, right? I mean, you sweep oh, the Dodgers and then you drop one of to course, the Pirates. Of course, drop two to the Pirates, and you but know, they didn't. And, and so wondering about you know what what the heck happened. So, um, you know, Zach Davies probably had I think his best. Outing as a Cub, I think that's fair that's to fair say. To say. Yep. Um, good, kind of all the way go around of the the starting rotation this week. Huh. Uh, Craig Kimbrell has continued to be uh, reliable out of the bullpen. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're find they're finding offense. They are, which which is probably I think the most significant thing is like, hey, when they hit, you know, it it, it can work still. I think Matt Duffy is a huge find for them. Uh, he's been playing consistently well. Uh, anywhere you want to put him on the field, he's come up with clutch hits. He had a clutch hit today um, for an RBI. Uh, and Kimbrell, uh, I feel a little bad for him because Sunday against the Reds, to uh, your point, if you go back to one of our previous episodes, um, Drew gets on this win and losing uh, pitcher stat. And Kimbrell gives up one hit. No earned runs and gets tagged with an L right, yeah. in a game that Trevor Williams gives up six earned runs as the starter. Yeah, that, that's one of those statistical anomalies. Yes. Like, there's no way that does really on. If I'm Kimbrell, I'm calling up the Major League Baseball office and going, <laughs> really? Really? With this? In, in a game that had so many swings back and forth, it was kind of amazing that it turns out to be a one run game in the end. Yeah, 13 to 12. I mean, at one point, I think Cincinnati was up five and then the Cubs came back. So, but you know, that's, that's um, that ballpark, you know, the great American ballpark in, in Cincinnati can, it's great American, right? Yep. Okay. That ballpark can play like that ever since they opened it. They've so had the surprised. most home runs in major league baseball this season so far. They had over 60 in like a month, which is nuts. Well, that's, that's getting into the jet stream that, that goes over there and it, it, you know, they just fly out. And in so. that game, uh, Ian Happ hit a massive three run homer to tie it in, in the eighth, um, before unfortunately being hurt later in that game, but um, you know, a huge moment. Uh, so e- even when they lost this week, they still played extremely well, except for the pitching, but they still put up runs. They still were competitive. Um, five straight wins for the Cubs now. And yeah, they're I mean, rolling. And, they're in second they're, place. They're, they're suddenly back in. I mean, I, I think at one point they were like four or five games out of, you know, the, the division lead. Yep. Um, they've, they've closed that back down. So that now, at least for the immediate future, is definitely back on. Um, if they can be as this consistent as, you know, that's always the thing with baseball is what have you done for me lately? Um, but if, if you can continue this and, and the weather's getting better, the weather is slowly warming up. It might not be tomorrow, but it will be eventually warm up in this town. Um, balls tend to, to, you know, go farther when that happens. So uh who knows this could be the start of something could well that started something great on the last episode we talked about Hendricks maybe even tipping pitches because he was getting rocked lately and just hard contact right well against the Dodgers in game one of that double header he complete game seven innings 
I mean, you couldn't ask for much more of that. So you hope that this contact-heavy pitching staff that that likes to hit bats um, can be on the good side of that. Trevor Williams, like I said, gave up six earned runs against the Reds Sunday. Today he was much better in a very close three to two ball game with the Pirates. Didn't get the win, um, but still much more competitive outing from him, which is good. Uh, I think this is what the Cubs team is going to be, though. I think they're going to be runs where they get hot and runs where they go cold, and we'll just see where it all shakes out in September. Yeah, I mean, if you're, you're never as, as – what is what is the old adage? You're never as good as you are when you're hot, and you're never as bad as you are when you're cold. Um, you just pray that the cold snap doesn't happen, you know, at the end of September, right? When, you know, right. If, if they do make the playoffs, which, which has happened to them, the, the last couple of years where they've they've the got, Brewers in. got them the Brewers got them in that in that two game um that the one play-in game that went extra innings where nobody could score a run um was, yep. was just painful painful baseball to watch um yeah it just doesn't look good I mean that the series against I think who who was it last year San Diego or somebody out from California I thought but I can't anyway the two game set where they basically lost both games and uh you know the starting pitching tried to go seven eight innings and it just you know, the good hit. Right. So, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, uh, the Cardinals to me are still the heavy favorite to come out of the NL Central. And, yes. And they're in first right now and they're playing. Good I mean, that is, that is, that's a, that's a deep, deep roster. Yeah. That's a tough, that's a tough nut to crack right there. Yes. Uh, the Brewers are hanging around tied for the Cubs with second. Uh, the Reds have played well and, and, you know, the Pirates are a, a bottom dweller. So you'd like to see, the Cubs finish out this sweep and go back-to-back sweeps and, and then see where you can go from there. And then who knows? We've, we've been talking about the Cubs being sellers at the trade deadline because we've just assumed that they would be. But that's not determined right now. Yeah, I mean, I think your first your first kind of marker poll is usually Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, we have to reset our, our expectations to what a 162-game season looks like. And the, the first, you know, you're, until you get to really end of May – you're still kind of assessing what you have right. on your roster and what's working and what isn't. So if, if you can say at Memorial Day we're above 500 and we're in second place in the division, that's probably a step more forward to you being a buyer than you would have had necessarily at this point if you were four or five games under 500 and in like fourth place in your division. Well, it'll be an interesting decision to make if the Cubs are kind of in the position they are now. They're they're a little bit above 500. They're a couple games back of the Cardinals. Do the Cubs want to make that choice? Because they, can, Chris Bryant's having a great season. Kimbrell's having a great season. They can bring you back some major assets. And Chris Bryant, I don't know that he's coming back. So yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other thing. We've never even talked about that whole situation. No, we haven't. So I mean, there's some decisions that the Cubs will have to make unless they're far in first place or have a real shot at the wild card. If they're middling and kind of maybe we can make a run and maybe we can't, there's some tough decisions. Oh, that absolutely. Make. I mean, you you have to decide if you're you're going to try to eke this eke this core out for one more season, or if you're going to just kind of call it and and say, well, you know, it's been a nice run. We and, and now we start the retooling process. Um, there's already been some calls there, on the south oh, side I'm for Chris sh- Bryant. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And we're going to talk about why that is now necessary. Um, we're going to take a break. We're going to re-rack this thing. We're going to talk about the south side, which is probably going to be... 
Did what, they have some wanna... newsworthy comments? Yeah, I, I, th- I, I think they, I think they, I think they made some headlines this this week. Did they? I um, couple couple. Clearly, reasons. I missed that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> be fun. Stay tuned. Yeah, exactly. Come on back. Uh, it's it's gonna get saucy. All right, coming back from break, we got the main event story. It's the, the main event of the evening, and no, it's not a boxing fight. We got Chicago White Sox news from the week. And boy, did it start out just unfortunate as hell uh, on Sunday. Um, you were trying to keep me off the ledge a little bit, and I was trying to believe that that, that injury that, that happened to uh, uh, Louis Robert uh, wasn't as, as icky as it looked. Um, but it turns out that I, I was probably right to, to, to have myself on the ledge there. Uh, torn hip flexor out minimum of 12 to 16 weeks. That's three to four months. They won't even update us for another two months. Right. And, and they don't know because it apparently completely tore off whether or not he will, he's a candidate even for surgery. I believe they decided no. Okay. On surgery. Okay. Well, that's, that's at least a, a bit of an update, but it's it's literally the muscle fibers are going to have to reattach themselves to the bone, which I I, I I did a little bit of research, can and does happen. Yep. So, I mean, it, it, the good news is when he comes back, it's it's not, this isn't like a career-changing injury. This isn't, this isn't like Tommy John where you're out for another year. Um, he's going to be able to come back. But he's going to have to have probably a, 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 you would think, what, a three to four week rehab period once he kind of can resume baseball activities. So you're looking at, if you're lucky, late August, early September before before you legit see him? At best. At best. At best. Uh, Professionally speaking, as I'm in the sports medicine field uh, in my actual life, not my podcasting (laughs) life, I watched it. And when they said hip flexor, I'm like, A... That's weird because he was running to first base. Hamstring, well, I would understand. I thought, I thought hamstring, ACL, MCL, that type of thing. Hip flexor and that mechanism is very odd. And it leads me to believe that he was having hip flexor issues previously. Like, and and he, was, he was running, just to describe the play, he was trying to beat out a ground ball, I think, to first base. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was running full out. So he was putting max torque on on whatever those muscles were and uh, apparently the hip flexor just gave in, in in a stride well i have learned to not tweet before mri results <laughs> um because i was thinking oh hip flexor strain well he'll be out for a couple of weeks but we're fine we're fine and well, then, well strain generally means tear you know just degrees of tear yes yeah, yeah. And, and we didn't know what the degree was and then the, the initial x-rays were negative and, and that usually that just means that it's not a bone problem um so you know, those are usually negative. In yeah, situations. yeah. You didn't know what was coming, and then when you knew it was bad, the next day when when the tweet came out from the White Sox, Rick Hahn will have media availability at five o'clock on a day where the team isn't playing. So that's never good when your GM has to go out and kind of that. That's part of his job is to go out and deliver the the icky news. And it turned out it was a, a grade three tear. So that's I think the worst kind. This is just a White Sox injury to me. <laughs> because it's like this usually never happens. If if, if it's the hamstring, then fine. Okay, that happens. Hip flexor, weird freakish injury. Yeah. Eloy Jimenez tearing a pec 
trying to Tiger. rob a home run in spring training. Weird, freaky injury that should have never happened. Right. If you remember, Jake Peavy tearing a lat while pitching. That never happens. It's like the White Sox, man, are just like a cursed team with these weird stuff. It's not even like the, the typical. No, I mean, like you coined the phrase like cubby occurrence. To, to talk about weird things yeah. happening in Wrigley Field, this is almost like the White Soxy occurrence or something like that. Just, just weird, just weird, and it's it's so unfortunate. It was, it was, it was just such a buzzkill because you know now it's two big pieces of your team in Jimenez and and in Louis Robert. And Louis Robert was just looking like he was coming around. It looks like he was seeing the ball really well. Um, so yeah, I mean injuries are part of the game. And don't forget, we still have Adam Engel. That's been hurt for two plus months. Who, who, who suffered another setback and it's going to be like two more weeks before he even tries to resume. But they keep telling us activity. we're close. He's close. He's close. Yeah. And then it just keeps getting pushed back further and further and further. That's a third outfielder. Well, yeah. I mean, it's soft tissue injuries and, and it's led to you, you having, because you have no choice, to try to patch your, your defensive look with Adam Eaton, who's looks like he's battling something. He doesn't look exactly right. But he's probably the healthiest that's available, and, and and Billy Hamilton, who can play defense, but my God, don't give that guy a bat. Yeah, he can't hit. Um, and we'll talk about Billy Hamilton in a couple of different scenarios later. But yes, we uh, will. <laughs> yes, we. Yes, will. we will. Uh, and Andrew Vaughn, who's a rookie, trying to find trying his to, place, right, and trying to learn it's the, a the position. Tough fit. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're doing the best they can. Lori Garcia is also getting some time in the outfield. I mean, they're trying. They're trying to get a fit, but it's led to some rumors of different players kind of. And like we mentioned at the end of the last segment, Chris Bryant has very recently popped up in some circles. I mean, there's no harm in making a phone call. He's I mean, played outfield more than he's played third base this year. For right, Cubs. right. I mean, again, and, and to me, there's there's zero harm in making a phone call. Pricey. Um, does the, and that's It'll the question. Pricey. That's the question. I mean, what are the White Sox willing to give up? Are you really all in on this season? If you make a Chris Bryant move, that would definitely tell me that you you still are. Um, I don't know how founded it is. I mean, but other than, you know, we like to speculate in this town about that type of thing. And the Cubs and Sox don't of usually course. make huge uh, 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 franchise-altering trades um, unless – uh, Especially unless now. it's like Sammy Sosa, you know that was a franchise-altering trade. The Cease Jimenez Quintana yeah. trade was really franchise-altering. Was, was, was pretty altering, but you don't see it very often. But you know, maybe now's the time. Who knows? Uh, once he was an outfielder, not anymore. But I'm I am glad that the White Sox shut down these rumors at least. Oh, the, the Albert the Pujols? Albert Pujols rumors. Yeah, that's a guy who's you know great career. Once upon a time, yeah, stick him in left field and great. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. Now he's a DDH kind of guy. Occasional first base start. But if you haven't been paying attention to White Sox baseball, uh, Jose Abreu is the reigning MVP. <laughs> and this guy, Yermin Mercedes, kind of having a good, good year. He slowed down a little bit. But he got off to a red hot start. What's it down to? 404? Uh, upper 300s, oh, I Upper believe. 300s. Oh, excuse me. Uh, just terrible. Just awful. Well, well, I don't think we've added it back in. I know he's had a couple hits tonight. So... <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> we don't know. It might, <laughs> it's true. He, he yes. may be back over the that 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 Mendoza line of you know four hundred batting average. You are correct. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad they shot down that. There's just as much as I would just personally because I'm a fan of Pujols' career. He's had a, a wonderful first ballot Hall of Fame career. 
I would love to see him Chicago. There's just no, there's no logical spot, you know? No, no, I, 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 it would be a stretch. There would have to be a lot of, lot of lining up. You don't know what the hall that the Cubs would want or, you know, or, 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 you know, if you're it talking would be a lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah, there we go. As, as we said, I would assume. <laughs> and, and, you know, what's in the White Sox farm system that the Cubs necessarily are, are eyeing right now? He's hitting 380. You're mean Mercedes. Oh, okay. Just, Slip, just terrible. Just, just, you know, just ride his ass out of town. <laughs> but, I mean, in spite of that, they've actually had, I mean, the, the pitching, in, in, since this has happened, the, the starting pitching, if nothing else, so has, real. has stepped up. And it's just said, um, excuse me, we're not going to let this go off the, rain, the train tracks just yet. Talking about riding people out of town. People were ready to ride Cease out of town, and he is not anymore. rolling right now. Not anymore. I mean, that this is three starts in a row really good. And he had three hits the other night on offense. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? We thought the pit, days of the pitcher hitting were over. No, we're not. <laughs> For more reasons than one, just just do it all, Dylan Cease. Just yeah, do it all. Just do it all. Fine. So we're, we'll come back to the Wednesday game because that's probably where we're going to spend a good chunk of our time. Uh, but they've since moved on to the Kansas City Royals. They won last night, three to nothing. Carlos Rodon, also now uh, coming coming into a story with a .56 ERA. So that's good. continued. So this good. is like his third great great start in a row. Uh, six innings, no earned runs, eight strikeouts, no walks. Uh, Liam Hendricks got into a little bit of trouble in the ninth inning, but did manage to get the save. Uh, Zach Collins had a home run. Andrew Vaughn, power from places you didn't think it was going to have to to come from. That's how this team is going to survive this stretch, uh, is getting contributions from guys you weren't thinking of of, of happening. Uh, Jose Abreu, Adam Eaton with an RBI, good, solid, on-the-road victory, three to nothing. We're watching the game as we're recording tonight. They are up eight to one in the bottom of the eighth inning. I'd like to start a game, huh? I, I'd like to think that a seven-run first inning or an eight-run first eight inning. Runs, excuse yeah. me, I was shorting them. That's when I turned the game on. It was already seven to nothing. Slap me on the wrist for for missing the the top half of the first. But dang, they had three players with two hits in the first inning. <laughs> <laughs> That's absurd. And they hit for the cycle as a team in the first. Yeah, inning. I mean so. When the bats are on, it's just like with the Cubs. You know, when the bats are on, it doesn't really necessarily matter who's playing. They're all contributing. You hope that this continues. Um, it needs to. Um, they are kind of positioning themselves. By the way, they are in first place in the division. Yes, they so are. So that will, assuming this doesn't go totally sideways. The Indians keep getting no hit. Yeah. So, I mean. Well, that, that. That, 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 that's a problem. <laughs> That's a problem. Apparently now, like, the no-hitter is just now your everyday. That's a whole other segment for a whole other episode, which we will do. Yes, we'll we'll get into that because that's – I don't know if it's a statistical anomaly, but it was like like 2012 when we had, like, three perfect games. Um, Yes. So maybe these things just happen in cycles. It is cold out. Um, But, yeah, I mean, just dominant pitching. uh, Strikeouts are up. Strikeouts are up. Uh, that that's that's the game right now. So we ha- we will tease you no longer. Let's dive into the events of Wednesday against um, the Cincinnati Reds. A game where we were as much as we vaunted the White Sox offense. This was a game bereft of offense from both sides. Yes, sir. Um, Dallas Keuchel pitching seven scoreless innings ended up not mattering. Tim Anderson. And Nick Madrigal, only two hits. So that was a problem. So, you know, what we're going to talk about is 
very much manager heavy, but you know, it would be nice to have a hit in, in a ballpark. We talked about in Cincinnati earlier. Say, can you really, we'll get into this, Yeah, but you know, can you blame the manager? Cause he's not the one going out there and swinging and missing a whole bunch. They did have more than 27 opportunities to get a hit. And it only, they Abreu can't them. go over four. Right. Vaughn can't go over four. Anderson and Madrigal are your best contact guys, and they proved it because they got the hits. But uh, putting up a zero spot, a goose egg in the run column. And with the ghost runner on second base in extra innings. So let's not forget that that – Right, and that was a happen. debacle in itself too. So, so we're going to talk about so, – so let's, let's, let's set the stage now of the 10th inning. Yes. Um, as, as we were talking about, you would get a ghost runner – so Liam Hendricks had come in and pitched the ninth inning, correct? Yes. Okay. Which was a double switch. Which was which was a double switch, which is also a now they're 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 in a National League ballpark, so you tend the pitcher can hit or the pitcher's spot can hit. Um, it's kind of a quirk in the rule where apparently, if you're in this exact situation. You don't necessarily have to have so the way that the, the ghost runner rule in general works. This is from last year, by the way. Correct. They, they instituted this in 2020 for the first time. Right. So so this is we're in kind of some uncharted territory. I will preface. I will give. I will grant that. Um, so what would happen is the previous. So you you know you're you're at your spot in the lineup. So if your number three hitter was the last guy up in the ninth inning, and you go into tenth. Your number three hitter now would become the ghost runner on second base, and you would pick up with your lineup starting at, at the four spot. That's how it's normally supposed to Correct. work. Correct. However, in this case, because of the double switch, you effectively moved the pitcher's spot to where the ghost runner would have been, right? Yeah. So what that meant with a classic double switch would mean that Liam Hendricks – because you didn't want the closer batting in that inning and you wanted to put him as far away from batting as possible. Now that spot in the lineup becomes the ghost runner. What was unknown by apparently not only Tony La Russa, but every everybody other on the bench coach yes. on the team uh, was that you didn't necessarily have to do that double switch. Number one. And number two, uh, you could have put the previous non-pitcher position player in as the ghost runner, which I think would have been Jose Abreu, right? Correct. Okay. And that that bit of it, the switching the non-pitcher to be in that running, that's an amendment to the rule this year. Right. So it's a new, new it, rule. It, it is a quirk. <laughs> that you only it is see a quirk. in NL ballparks. In and this weird situation, very, yes, very specific. But scenario. what ends up happening now? Now that in and of itself, and we're going to get into that in just a second. But so what ends up happening is Liam Hendricks, who was now in the game, was now the the ghost runner. He's on second base. I think the first batter in the lineup, either it ended up with first and third. So we got on it was Leori Garcia. He, I think, gets a uh, – he, he didn't get a hit. But somehow it ends up – He got a fielder's choice. Fielder's choice. Okay. So it ended up there was one out, guys on first and third. Grandal walked to, okay, to right. lead off the inning. Garcia comes in to pinch run. So Leori Garcia is on first base. Garcia grounded into a fielder's choice. Grandal's out at second. Okay. And then Hendricks goes to third, third. 
And Garcia's at first. Okay. So you have first and third. One out? One out. One out. Here's where it all kind of gets weird. Because you didn't necessarily want, at least the explanation that was given, was that you didn't want to have a situation with your closer coming down the third baseline with a potential, I have to avoid the catcher situation. So I don't know if it was a double steal that just or a hit and run that went run that went bad. But you end up Leori Garcia attempting to steal second base with Billy Hamilton at the plate, and Garcia gets thrown out. So now there's two outs, and you have now still the closer pitcher on third base. Billy Hamilton, I believe, then strikes out. Yes, which he does often. Which he does often to end the inning. So. Your, your entire, whether that was going to be supposed to be a double steal, it never comes to fruition. You've ran yourself out of an inning. Whether you intended to or not, that's what happened. And, of course, in the next, the bottom half of the 11th, with a ghost runner on second base, probability of scoring is high. Liam Hendricks can't shut the door. Sox lose one nothing. Lots of things to take apart here. There's a lot of things to break down just in those scenarios alone. One is, and the one that's probably had the most attention on it, is that nobody on the White Sox bench knew what the rule was. Can I ask a question right here? What is the bench coach's job? What is his role as, like, is his, because Tony LaRussa is the manager. He manages the team. There's a lot to manage. First base coach, third base coach are also on the hook because one of them could also have said, hey, wait a minute. Well, and, and this is what we don't know because we don't know what was talked about right. between who was feeding information to Tony LaRusso. Was anybody feeding information to Tony LaRusso? Was there some intern in the back flipping through the rule book trying to figure this out? Um, none of that has been brought to light let's put it that way so if, if there were those discussions nobody's talking what about. has been brought to light is in the post-game conference tony larusa uh, admits to not uh, being the, the aware. first time that he was made aware of the rule was when i think it was jeff passan uh asks him a question in the post game and and larusa instead of going hmm that's interesting i might have reconsidered doubles down and says no i i would have done that anyway and you know it's all fine let, let, let's let's let the I don't know the rule part of it. Let's put that to the side. Let's just talk about the strategy there of why you are running with Leori Garcia. Sure. In that situation. I think I think that is a bigger issue than having Hendricks run at second to start the inning. I think why is Billy Hamilton hitting is a, is a, is a bigger is a, is question. A bigger one. When you had – did you not have Hendricks. your mean Mercedes on the bench? Hendricks, to me, is the third story down. Correct. In this decision. The, head, the headline and where the where the failure is, is one, why are you, by the heck, are you running bases, running yourself out of an inning in extra innings when you haven't scored a run? That doesn't make any sense. When you really, the, the stats would tell you that you have to basically now with this ghost runner rule, you really got to get two runs if you're the road team. You can't really just settle for one because it's you got to get as many easy. as you can get. Yep. It's way too easy to, to get walked off. Which we've talked about before. I'm not a fan of having a second right. runner on second I mean, base. Anyway, that's a stupid rule to begin to, with. To me, this is this is weirder than the three-on-three shootout in, in hockey. Which is a whole 
other conversation. Right, right. Um, but to your point, why do you have Garcia run? The only thing I can come up with is you're trying to take the double play out of order. But you had Billy, Billy Hamilton, Hamilton at the plate, that is who correct. is the fastest yeah. guy on the team. The one thing yeah, he can right. do you're right. is run. You're right. So I don't think you were going to get a double play there unless, you know, it's right at somebody. And that would require Billy Hamilton to have solid contact, which, which doesn't happen which more often. Brings than me that. to my next point. You have runners on first and third. You have Billy Hamilton. If you want to stick Billy Hamilton there and have him bat, my. And, and maybe they didn't want to do this because they had a pitcher at third. But if if it's me and I have Billy Hamilton, who's got speed and should at least be adequate at this type of batting, bunt. bunt. So you would do a, a safety squeeze? A, which I know or, the or pitcher on third, squeeze. either one, but the pitcher on third maybe just I think probably take, that. Well, and that comes back to now the big circle is you don't know the rule. You've taken that play out of it. Because you didn't know, because somebody didn't know. So to me, this is this is this is not just a managerial failure. This is an organizational failure. So, ladies and that, gentlemen, that, that comes into the head because the manager is the head of that unit. Sure, he ultimately he, takes he's going to have to own it. So, ladies and gentlemen, listening to this wonderful podcast, obviously we just ran through like fifteen <laughs> scenarios. It's a complicated situation, yes. and there's a billion ways to play it. Correct. And, you know, let's not pretend that managers haven't used pitchers as pinch runners before. It's happened in NL because pitchers, they're not unathletic. No. They, they can run. No, I mean, it, it's not like Liam Hendricks wasn't willing. It wasn't like after the game Liam Hendricks was going, I don't know why the hell it was out there. Like, I'm, I'm going to take just a flyer here and say that if – Liam Hendricks and Jose Abreu ran a 40-yard dash. I'm betting you Liam Hendricks is probably going to win that race. Well, Jose Abreu's solution to that is I just hit the ball over the fence so I can try. Yes. So, it's <laughs> not, so let's not just pretend like, you know, oh, he put a pitcher there. That was a doomed thing. It's, like we said, it's Laurie Garcia running, which was weird, unless you're taking the double play out. Okay, fine. That's an excuse. Why do you have Billy Hamilton batting there? Is right. my biggest. To, to me, that is that is the that is the strategic managerial failure. Whether now again, we don't know who's who's talking to who on the bench. What we don't know was Tony Larusa informed of the rule and just ignored it. I doubt it because if you could get out of that situation, I can't imagine why he would want to create that situation for no good reason. For for me, Tony Larusa, you know. As the manager and of the manager of an American League team, if you were told that at the beginning of spring training, which I'm sure all new rules were told to well, and, every and, team. And that's what was um, discussed. Uh, they asked the, the, the Reds manager, was this rule discussed? Who, who, by the way, played for Tony LaRusso. By the way, played for Tony LaRusso. So he kind of didn't do Tony any favors no, by saying, well, yeah, of course it was discussed. We all knew about it. But the difference there is you got an NL manager who's like, I might need, need that, that more often. Yes. Tony Lewis is probably like, oh, yeah, okay, when's that going to ever happen? And gone. Which I get, but if you're Miguel Cairo as the bench coach, you have to be aware of that. Like, that's – to me, that's one of the essential roles of a bench coach is being aware of what's going on in the dugout, around the dugout. That and, and to me, that to me is still the, the big unknown here. Sure. And And – no one is obviously no one's going to try to out each other in the media. So we, we know that there either was 
a communication attempt made that either wasn't listened to or no communication ever happened and everybody was ignorant to it, in which case then the White Sox as a whole botched it. End of story, they botched it. It comes back to, I think, the bigger picture discussion. And I think this is the thing that, that we've been teasing back and forth. Um, For like a couple of episodes. This now. is This is <laughs> number four where we've said, huh, I don't understand what, however it gets communicated or, or not communicated, I don't understand that move from White Sox management, whether it's from Larusa himself, whether it's from the pitching coach, whether it's from the bench coach. There, you, you cannot, in this environment, now we just talked about the Louis Robert injury, and, and it's great that the team is winning kind of in spite of all of this. Um, so you can't allow in this type of environment, you can't be throwing away. I, I don't like to talk in terms of win expectancy, but you can't be throwing away shots at wins and turning them into losses. This We've been playing baseball now for five weeks. This is four times. You can't do that every once every seven days. All right. So I'm going to try to make this point as, as simply as I can, but when you're critiquing the job that Tony Larusa has done at, as manager this year so far, you got to take into consideration he's lost three outfielders, Eloy Jimenez. Luis I, I'm not blaming him at all for any of the injuries. At, well, Th those are not his doing. So you got Adam Engel, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez. You had Tim Anderson, your AL batting champ, your two-time AL batting champ, go down for a spell. You're bringing back Rodon, Cease, and Kopech, all from major arm injuries, and trying to gradually, as best as you can, get them back to elite pitching, which so far, I think the consensus is they're doing a good job. There's a lot to juggle here. It's, it's not in, people think you just roll out the talent and let them play. There's a lot to consider with this White Sox team, and there's a lot to juggle, and there's a lot to really dissect as far as how this team is built but a lot of people do want him gone so, so you're saying you're saying it's a complicated case and there's a lot of ins and a lot of outs there is okay that there is mod <laughs> we did that was the subject of the most recent poll that we had on our twitter at 4d experience one yeah so we wanted we wanted to open it up and you know we knew this was i mean look this if you were anywhere near chicago white Sox twitter or if you were anywhere near sports talk Twitter in Chicago, anytime after about like two o'clock on Wednesday, blew up. It was uh, the the bomb had gone off, and and we were just picking up the pieces. So we wanted to kind of get in kind of the moment what what the take of, or at least what the pulse of um, what the what the pulse of the fan is at this point. Yeah, uh, the we had three options: fire him now. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame manager. Relax. The Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X, relax. Or it's just way too early to judge. It is early May, after all. Um, and the results of the poll on Twitter, 44% uh, actually said way too early to judge. 33% said fire him now. And 22% said he's a Hall of Fame manager. Relax. Uh, we did get some comments, um, which is always good to get. Uh, we had Jen from the north side of Chicago. Um, said he didn't know the rules. No one in this clubhouse knew the rules. Uh, what the? 
that's his job. I was raging at the TV. I'm 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 with you, Jen. I'm with you. And then I did the same thing. We had I don't know if you, if you saw the, the if you look back at the timeline, you can tell when I kind of came on because yes, I was you can. I was look at not, Twitter, you can I was it not out. exactly a happy person. Uh, and then we had Ryan from Boo Island who had a little bit of the take that we had just discussed. Um, he wasn't so much upset about the whole rule issue. It was about Lurie Garcia running, and then why is Billy Hamilton hitting? That's the bigger issue. Yeah, I mean, it, the 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 part of this that I, I didn't hear it live, but I, I've since uh, heard some of the, the radio call. And, and Darren Jackson, you know, bleeds White Sox black and white, you know. He, he, he's an employee of the team. So, I mean, he's not apt to um, be super critical in the moment. But when he's looking at it and going, I don't know what we're doing. That that's bad. That that's real bad. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, obviously, it's a little bit of a mixed poll. Um, but fire him now is a popular answer across Chicagoland. So, Drew, what are your thoughts? So, there's a guy I follow um, in in a different non-sports sphere. Uh, his name is David Wasserman. And he's from the Cook Political Report, where if you want nonpartisan, just election result breakdown, um, I, I'm, I'm, I work with numbers in my day life. So I'm used to reading stats and stuff like this. And I love to dig into that. And he has this catchphrase when he's calling an election and he says that, you know, this isn't going to change. And he actually called the presidential election. He was one of the first to do it before all the networks did. And it's it's very simple catchphrase. I've seen enough. And Dave, I am with you on this, my friend. I have seen enough. We've been playing baseball for five weeks. This is the fourth time we've had questionable decision-making from the management, whether it's LaRusa himself or his staff. He, by being that in that position, uh, has to own all of it. Um, you take the way he was hired, which was weird, and there really wasn't a, they, they said there was a process, but there really wasn't a process. And it really just kind of turned into the owner just picking a guy because he felt bad for him. You're a World Series contender. You cannot, one, put up a middle finger to all of the fandom that has watched and waited and, and hoped for this team to come together as it has. Now, granted, there's been injuries. I, I, he's not responsible for any of the injuries. I'm not putting that on him. But you cannot continue to give away outs and wins. It's too important to, to keep this thing going. He's got to go. I'm sorry. He's, the game is passed him by. It's getting worse. It's not getting any better. I don't see the good side. And maybe because I'm, I'm in a moment of rage here, um, it's really hard to see what he does well. I don't see it. I've seen enough. I think it's time to move on. Well, if uh, you couldn't tell, I'm going to take the other side. <laughs> um, he has notes, folks. He I has have notes. a full page of notes, which I won't. I wrote some of this out. It gets tedious at points, I'll admit. Uh, and some of it I've already mentioned. Look, the, what is a manager's job? The manager's job is to manage. And considering all of the injuries that we've had, major players coming back from major injuries, he's managing those to the best of his abilities, and he's juggling. And hey, guess what, people? We're in first place. First. We're not losing. We're winning. 
first place. I would argue they're winning in spite of him. But anyway, you continue. First place is first place. <laughs> but um, to your point of, look, I'm not going to pretend that this wasn't a good old boys hire by Jerry Reinsdorf because it was. I don't think anybody in the world can deny that. Um, and, you know, if, if you have your prejudices against Tony Lewis for that, fine. I uh, can't say much to it. If you have off-the-field grudges in some of his off-the-field activities. Hall of Fame baseball guy. I, I Fine. That's another valid point. Okay, cool. He's not the first. He's not the last. He ain't the only one in Major League Baseball. Fine. But he is literally, there's only one other man alive today with a better managing resume than Tony La Russa, and that's Joe Torre, and he ain't leaving his comfy spot in Major League Baseball. You're talking about a guy that's third all-time in wins, and he's, I think, top 10 all-time in win percentage. He's top 10 in World Series appearances, wins, and World Series wins, World Series game wins. You're asking, you said this is a World Series contender. What manager alive today outside of Joe Torre has a better resume to win you a World Series than Tony La Russa? Some people wanted A.J. Hinch, who was our second option, thought about maybe interviewing. Maybe he did. I, I can't remember. But uh, why is A.J. Hinch a candidate? Well, he he just managed three Houston Astro teams to 100-plus win seasons and a World Series. You know what else they did in those three seasons? Blatantly cheated. White Sox fans. Joe Jackson is still banned from Major League Baseball for throwing a World Series that he participated in. A.J. Hinch blatantly cheated and is fine. You know where he is right now? Managing the dead last Detroit Tigers. The awful Detroit Tigers. Dead last, not in the AL Central. Not in the AL Central, I, I, people. I, 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 would, I would say that they're, the, the, the Royals curve, or I'm sorry, the Tigers curve is nowhere near where the White Sox curve is. But okay. They're not last in the AL Central, people. That they're not. They're last in Major League Baseball dead last. You know where the White Sox are? Top 10 team. Top 10 team in Major League Baseball right now. Top 10. Guys, one of the biggest arguments was, well, he can't handle the personalities. Tim Anderson's too big of a personality for him. Robert, uh, Robert's just too big of a personality. Eloy, these guys are big personalities. Guys, he managed Ricky Henderson, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, Dennis Eckersley, Ozzie Smith with his backflips going out there to shortstop every day. He didn't quell any of their stardom. He was, do your thing, man. Do your thing. Be in the star, uh, starlight. It's fine. I, I don't understand this idea that Tony La Russa can't manage a baseball team to win. The outside stuff, fine. Have uh, How he became manager, fine. But guys, he's a winner. He's won so many games, even with the White Sox before, the first time around. You know what he did with the White Sox the first time around? He got them to the ALCS. You know when the last time they were in the playoffs was? 1950s, okay? That was the first playoff appearance in the 1950s since 1919, okay? Where do White Sox Nation, like, if this was the Yankees, I get it. 27 world championships in the playoffs every year. We expect success all the time. If we don't win, this is trash. 
Guys, the White Sox have 10 playoff appearances in 120 years, 100 and whatever, 110 years <laughs> of existence, whatever that is. Slow your roll a little bit. Calm down. Relax. We're in first place. We're winning. We have talent. Let it be. Chill. Oh, he flows out with the with the Beatles reference. So, may I rebut? Absolutely. Okay. I'd be disappointed if you didn't. Okay. So, now, not knowing what he was going to hit me with, I was trying to take some mental notes here. So, I'm not, this is not as polished, but this will try to be what I, what, what I, what I can say about it. You, you came at it with a lot of talk about teams and players from 20 to 25 years ago. The game is fundamentally different than it was 20 to 25 years ago. Here's, I'm not worried nearly as much about personality. I think that was probably overblown, even when they hired him. I think as a fan, what bothered me was the process or lack thereof. And, you know, the fact that it was basically the owner override, the guy who I felt bad for in all of this is Rick Hahn. I, I have visions of Rick Hahn doing the, the money ball bit where he's taking the chair and throwing it at, at, you know, at a glass window every other day. Every time he watches one of the, in that inning, I'm throwing the chair, you know, to the window, man, because it's like, it, it's, it, it boggles the mind. But so let, let, let's, let, let's leave that for a minute. I don't know that it's necessarily a personality thing. It's a, it's a strategy thing. Here's what it comes down to for me. What does he, what has he done that I can look at and say, good move, Tony. That made sense. Loved it. I'm not, now, now maybe it's bias and, and, and maybe it's just because of the way he was hired, people are less apt to throw anything good on him. But at the same time, I don't, whenever we're talking about him, we're talking about it because it's kind of been judged in, in the baseball addles. And, and again, you know, who am I to, to, to really be the judge of that to be not the right move? So we're talking about mistakes. We're not talking about the right stuff. And I hate talking about watching a guy manage. It shouldn't matter. He should be part of the furniture. You know, the guy that goes out and points and, and, and changes the picture every now and again, that's really all I, that's all I would want from him. I don't want him. I don't need him to do anything else. But when you're talking about him, it's because he did things that everyone just looks up. When Darren Jackson is going, I don't know what we're doing. That's that's bad. That that and that should have consequences. It's too to me. It's just too important of a season to let cronyism dictate your policy. The the White Sox. It, I, I, I don't describe that they owe the fans anything, but they owe the team, the team that they have put together. They owe Rick Hahn, the guy that Rick Hahn would want to manage that team. They fired Rick Renteria because of poor decision-making. What have I seen from Tony La Russa, or what has anybody seen from Tony La Russa this season with six weeks of a body of work that's been better of decision-making than Rick Renteria? I, 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 I open the floor. I, I don't know. Here's the difference between Rick Rennery and Tony Lucas. 
three world championships, six from tennis, twenty years ago, four manager of the year awards from twenty years ago. Rick Renneria is you get rid of Rick Renneria because he's not the guy that can take you there. Tony Rusa has taken you there. Again, only one person alive has a better resume than him, and that's Joe Torre. And I don't think I, I. And I'll stop you there. I don't want Joe Torre managing this team because the game is past those decisions anymore. So it's it's Dave Roberts, it's um, uh, Terry Francona out in Cleveland. That's where the, the 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 guys who are making their teams legitimately better because they're trying different things and it's working. You can't go back to how the game was played 20 years ago. You can't be sacrifice. You can't be sacrificing anymore. It, it, you're giving away outs. There's been books and and statistical studies done on how bad of a decision that is, and he does it again and again and again. True, true. The game was invented in the late 1800s. Okay. And it's gone through a myriad of changes, we, and this is the next one. We still have a drop third strike rule that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's from the 1800s. It hadn't changed that much. Baseball, you have a stick, you have a ball, you have some bases, you run, you catch. It's generally the same game. And if you if you think that Tony La Russa hasn't been able to adapt, He's managed for over 30 years. You don't think the game changed from 1979 when he started to 1994? I don't, th I don't think you had the same level of technology and computer analysis that you did over the course of the last 30 years. Has it made it better or worse? That's up for debate. I'm not saying that I like this brand of baseball. I'm saying that when you have it, to, to, to actively go against what things, again, the whole thing with sacrificing. It happened even like in the first game of the season. I'm like, why the hell is Louis Robert bunting in the bottom of the first inning so we could scratch one run across? When no, it's get four guys on and hit have ball go over fence. And that's when we get four no hitters in a season because guys swing and miss all the well, time. Well, okay, again, I'm not arguing the aesthetics <laughs> of the game. I'm saying that's where we are. You have to excel with the hand that you're dealt. If you're handed eight four, you gotta play the the hand that you're dealt. I, I agree with you. I don't like the aesthetic. I wish that there was more bad average of balls in play. I, I do. He managed during a time, he started managing at a time in the 70s and the 80s where runs were scarce. He managed through the 90s and the 2000s where runs were a plenty and home runs were booming. Two different styles of baseball. And, and you know what we haven't even mentioned yet? We haven't mentioned the ball itself, which I think is also something that could be different. Sure. But again, you have to you have to get into all of that when you're making decisions. What worked 20 years ago isn't necessarily the best decision. You today. hit a ball, you run the bases, you catch said ball. It's generally the same game, people. It's like it's played a lot different. It's it's it okay. That was an era where you would have two one or two speedsters at the top of your lineup, your boppers three, four, and five. And six, seven, eight, and nine were just kind of guys, right? You, you, you've seen it on the north side, Ian Happ leading off, or or or, or Anthony Rizzo leading off. Not out of not out of desire, but but out of but, it's, but it's happened, and and there have been successes there. Um, you've seen um, I forget the name of the guy that the Cleveland closer in the World Series, um, Andrew Miller. Something. Miller. When was he in games in the playoffs? 
fifth inning, sixth inning, seventh inning. Not in that traditional, but he's got it. But that's your high leverage situation. Sure. The the whole way you go, you, you really should be backing from out 27 to out one. The the big thing that that's the change is you can't keep sacrificing. You can't be giving outs away when statistically it doesn't work. I'm sorry. I I, I, I know you have the soft spot for Tony La Russa. I, I like the guy. It's not a soft spot. It's just me coming at it. I just, I've seen enough from a different. To know that I've seen too much. I'm just coming at it from a different analytic. I'm literally looking at numbers. The dude has won 2,700 baseball games. Do not tell me the guy can't win a baseball game. <laughs> I, I will refute that to the day I die because it's just not true. He's third all time in doing it. And it's just. I just, I just don't see the amount of changes that would warrant a guy with that kind of success being irrelevant all of a sudden. Well, okay, <laughs> we, we've gone at this. We probably, I'm probably much more warm than I needed to be about this, and so are you. I hope you've enjoyed this we lovely hope you've debate enjoyed that we've had. The, the, the debate. We told you it was going to get saucy, and it did. It did. Um, so, if you enjoy this type of thing. Uh, let us know, and we'll try to do it more often. If you want to get involved in the conversation like Ryan and Jen did, please let us know. Give us comments on Twitter. Um, let us know if our, our Twitter account is at 4D Experience one Let us know on our personal Twitters if that's cool, too. Mine is at Daniel underscore Allen 44. I am at AFP3626. And you can always check out. You'll you'll know who's on what Twitter when we're there. We have very distinctive styles, but it's all good. It makes it fun. Um, and we are still friends. In case anybody is wondering, we're not. We're not I friends. am storming out of here right now. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, it's been fun bringing all this to you. We will catch you on the next one. And have yourself a great weekend.